fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Haydner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Final try to Wolfpack, what is going on? I am the Wolf of Roto Street, rotostreetjournal.com, where we feed and breed fantasy wolves, here with your week four market report. Of course, if you're listening on the podcast, it's the Fantasy Fullback Dive, where we pave your path to 2019 titles. And as we do every Monday, we're going to give you all those crucial takeaways, all those lessons you need to know before moving on to week five to be ready and prepared and know everything that has happened for the rest of season value. Uh, So that means risers, fallers, of course, your waiver wire, all your good stuff. And if you're listening to the podcast and you want to catch us live, it'll be on Facebook Live uh, and, and you can get any of your questions in. All those answered, any early week set starts, any waiver wire questions. That's why we're here. Uh, I just want to make sure to plug real quick before we get into all the action. If you want to see even more than what we're going to cover here on the podcast and on this live broadcast, uh, you can bookmark rotostreetjournal.com slash stockwatch or download our app, search Roto Street Journal in your app store. Um, you can find all our stock watches. We only have six for each category here, but there's going to be so much more on the website and in the app. So check those out to make sure you're taking care of all your fantasy football needs. But let's get started right after the top. We're going to start with the guy that didn't even play this week, but obviously is the biggest impactor on our next season-long big board of week four. That's, of course, Melvin Gordon. Uh, Anthony Lynn just making it very clear right off the bat now that Gordon has returned. He is going to be our starter, says Anthony Lynn. Quote, no doubt about it. Uh, When Melvin's ready, he's going to go back. He'll go back to number one. And that, despite Austin Eckler, Absolutely feasting. He's the number two running back in fantasy. He'd actually be the wide receiver 11 in PPR leagues on just his receiving stats alone. He's been crushing it in every single facet of the game. Has had over 17 touches in every single week. He's been the guy, no doubt about it. Uh, But even after this enormous explosion this week for Eckler, another 60 yards and score on the ground, 60 more yards and a score through the air, it's going to be the Melvin Gordon show. So he slides into Melvin Gordon, does 12 overall on my latest rest of season big board. You can make sure to check that out on the website. If you haven't seen it yet, it's also going to be added to the app soon too. 12 overall for him, whereas Eckler immediately becomes that handcuff with benefits style self that he was before Melvin Gordon uh, returned. I mean, before Melvin Gordon disappeared. So he goes right into the 80s or so, maybe a little bit more valuable than he's been in years past just because he thrived so well in the absence. So potentially you could get a little more value out of Eckler this year, but it's going to be the Gordon show. Uh, and again, 12 overall for Gordon, especially with so many question marks around the running back cross of this year, uh, you got to expect Gordon to just slide right back into that every down roll. Such a great tackle breaker. There is injury concerns though, so make sure you don't just forget about Austin Eckler. He's definitely a guy you want to make sure to stash on the bench and could probably carve out some rest of season standalone value. He had plenty of games last year where he's very usable despite Melvin Gordon being there. So that's that's all we got on those two. If you have any questions, you know, what do I do with Eckler? What should I trade to get Melvin Gordon? Let me know. Uh, let me know what your backfield looks like right now if you're watching live. 
Live. I got David Johnson, Melvin Gordon, Chris Carson in a league. Feel great about that. But I've seen even better in our comment section. Uh, so I'd be happy to just you know get all horned up about your running backs if you want to send in your uh, your backfield now that you have Melvin Gordon returning. Another just top five running back, even higher than Melvin Gordon on my season long big board. That's Nick Chubb. Absolutely explodes this week. Uh, what we've been expecting all year from the guy, I uh, finally shows it. 20 carries, 165 yards, and one, two, three touchdowns in the Browns' smashing of the Ravens. Uh, tons of interesting takeaways here. One, just the Browns getting on track and looking like the team that so many people thought they would be. The Ravens came out 2-0. and Everyone now saying they're the team. The Browns have gone back-to-back -back now and look like they could have their season on track here. And the engine of it all was Nick Chubb. That's crucial to note. I mean, 20 carries. And he also had a couple looks in the receiving game. Three catches, 18 yards on his four targets. The every-down horse. And if this offense does finally start to click where we thought they were going to be all season, you know, 40-plus points every single game is what we were expecting with Freddie Kitchens, with uh, Todd Munkin, who led the league in passing yardage last year. I was all about uh, this offense. It still was a little bit stagnant in the past game. Baker Mayfield still has not truly performed up to expectations, but nonetheless, Chubb was so fantastic this week. You have to feel much better about him as an owner. He slid all the way up to number tw number five overall on my big board. You got your big four running backs, McCaffrey, uh, Alvin Kamara, Zeke Elliott. But after those four go, uh, and Alvin Cook is in my top four now, locked in. He's actually my number two guy uh, above everybody other than McCaffrey. But after those four, Nick Chubb, my fifth overall locked-in guy. Uh, so I love Nick Chubb. I love what I saw here. Yeah, you got to be a little bit concerned what happens when Kareem Hunt returns. But ultimately, I don't see him sliding in much more than what we got from Dontrell Hilliard this week. Uh, maybe a late touchdown, maybe a couple receptions here and there. But this is the Chubb show. Again, the fact that they got so much on track with Chubb being the focal point this week tells me that's going to be the case moving forward. So I absolutely love him. As Cam Geckel, great to see you. Thanks for tuning in. And anybody here live watching the show, get your questions in. Let me know. That's why I do them live. If you don't mind giving it a like, giving it a share, I greatly appreciate that so we can reach more people. Uh, that's what it's all about, getting you guys the advice you need. So I'm going to tell you everything I had as takeaways, but if you have some takeaways you want me to cover, if you have some early waiver wire questions, if you have early lineup questions, get them to me. So Cam, I'm going to get to your question right now before we then get to Leonard Fournette and what to do with him after an explosive game. So Cam asking, Cook, Kamara, Michelle, Eckler, Montgomery, Hyde, Gallman only picked up because I'm greedy. That's a great backfield. I don't know if you really have a question there or if you're just saying, uh, you know, let me know that you have a great backfield. But that is a absurd backfield there. Obviously, losing Eckler kind of sucks uh, now that, that Melvin Gordon's there. But when you have Cook and Kamara at the top, you got to feel great about your horses. So big fan of that. Uh, well done. Jeremiah Moore is Wednesday. Must start every week now. 2QB League. Definitely in a 2QB League. I'm going to cover him in a little bit, as you see on the menu there. He's going to be number six that we cover. And we're already on Leonard Fournette. So we'll make sure to get there nice and quick for you, Jeremiah. Uh, but yes, the short answer is I definitely think you can trust him quite a bit more. But until we can get to him, let's cover Leonard Fournette and what I think about him. Almost 30 carries, 29 rush attempts, and why not? He's feasting. 225 yards, adds another two receptions for an additional 20 yards. So what do you do with this massive blow-up? Sell, 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 and sell him again. I'm all about the sell-high train on Leonard Fournette. Yes, he looked great, looks as explosive as he has since his rookie year, where he was ripping huge chunks all over the field. 
So uh, it, could Leonard Fournette do that the rest of the season? Sure. But the Broncos were a pretty soft matchup. They lost Bradley Chubb early in that game. They already were giving up the seventh most points to running backs. And I don't know how I feel about Leonard Fournette overall. I mean, the guy hadn't topped 66 yards on the season until this outburst. And that was, you know, one of those games was saved last week on Thursday Night Football. Anybody that watched, he had a 69-yard run and only got to 66 yards on the night. He was at negative three until that run happened. I don't love him. I think he's still a little bit sluggish despite this game. And I think this is going to you know, remind people of that rookie season. I'd be selling uh, Leonard Fournette immediately right now as his effort, uh, as his value is as high as can be. A great effort. Uh, and, you know, I looked as good as he's ever looked. But again, that injury concerns just overall has not looked great. That offense has not looked great on the season. I don't love Leonard Fournette. And I would take this opportunity to sell him immediately right now. After him, and I see some questions coming. I'm going to cover Austin Hooper real quick, and I'll get to you, uh, Bryce and Michael, I promise. But Austin Hooper, what more to say other than this guy? He's been a beast at tight end at such an inconsistent position. And we did note early in the preseason, Dirk Cutter, such a tight end friendly scheme. Obviously, the, the stats have been divided through O.J. Howard and Cameron Brait, but then, you know, Austin Hooper has no one to contend with. So we loved his upside coming into the year, and I didn't even think he could be this much of a beast. The third highest tight end in fantasy scoring right now, and fresh off another monster. So the week before, two touchdowns over 20 fantasy points, and then he comes in this week, has 11 targets. That's insane for the tight end position. Hauls in nine of them for a team high 130 yards. He is the centerpiece. I mean, maybe even more so than Julio right now. And yes, of course, I'd rather have Julio Jones than Austin Hooper. It's not going to remain that way. But Hooper has more fantasy points right now. He has been the engine. And Dirk Cutter has flat out said, I love tight ends. And he that was before he came here. We saw him with Tony Gonzalez before he had the masterful seasons with Cameron Brait. And then OJ Howard and Cameron Brait have consistently combined for for over 1,000 yards and 10 TDs. Hooper's going to go for 1,010 as long as he can stay healthy. He's never had injury concerns before. So I love what I saw from this guy. The heavy tight end volume is always going to be there. Uh, I think you can trust him every single week. And he already was pretty high. I already had him at like tight end eight on the year. He bumps up only one spot because there's so many other tight ends. Darren Waller, Evan Ingram, Zach Ertz. I think Kittle bounces back. There's still a bunch of guys I'd rather have above him. But what the big change was is he jumped up a whole tier. And now he's one of those guys I would actually reach on if I was redrafting today. Uh, He goes up 26 spots overall on my big board. Huge fan of Austin Hooper and what he's been doing in this dirt cutter scheme. Uh, And then the last two guys, before I get to your questions and then move on to the fallers, Darrell Williams, uh, the Chiefs running back here. What to do with this guy after a two-touchdown outburst, has the most snaps of the team, had 34 to Shady's 32, was the, the lead running back in that sense. Yes, Shady outcarried him and outgained him on the ground by a significant margin. Williams was not very efficient, but the key to note here was he was the goal line back, and it really wasn't uh, much of a question there. Two touchdowns in short yardage situations, very clutch, came up big for that team, has another 43 yards through the air, and again, the, the snap leader at the running back position. So at worst, you know, Damian Williams of course him being out has facilitated this outburst from Daryl Williams but you know he is a distant uh, you know a 
well above Darwin Thompson at this point. I mean, Thompson, three snaps on the day, complete afterthought, which sucks because I still think he might be the best natural runner, natural talent in that backfield. But Darrell Williams is definitely ahead of him, and he has that goal on lock at the goal line role, and that's huge because obviously this offense visits the, the end zone more than any other. So lots of TD upside coming with Darrell Williams. I still would recommend you sell high at this point because of de- desperate running back needy teams will you know bite, and you might only miss another game game or two from Damian Williams, who I think is one of the better by lows at this point. I imagine Daryl Williams will take a distant second, uh, third seat behind uh, Damian Williams once he finally returns. So I'm all about the sell high. Even though Daryl Williams is great at the goal line, you're probably gonna have another week or two of great games. Again, I would sell high quickly on this guy. And last but not least, to, to get to your question there, Jeremiah, we'll talk about Jameis Winston and the Bucks. Back-to-back games of over 380 yards, over three touchdowns, and this week, it's one thing when you do it against the Giants. I mean, everybody could see that coming against the fucking pathetic, putrid defense of the Giants. But then when you go on the road, you do it against one of the best secondaries in the league and the Rams who hadn't given up a score through the air until this game. That was impressive. And what it tells me is Jameis Winston is getting more and more comfortable in this no-risk-it, no-biscuit style offense of Bruce Arians slinging it deep. Uh, He was going all over the field spraying this thing. And, of course, Chris Godwin uh, was the main beneficiary this week. 14 targets, 12 catches, 172 yards, two scores. I mean, what a monster effort. But unlike the previous weeks where it was either one or the other, Mike Evans also got involved, another deep score. Uh, And it's clearly this offense is going to to those two. It's really no one else is involved consistently at all in the past game. OJ Howard will show up here and there. We'll talk about him in the Fowler section, of course, because this is all about those two wide receivers. And with Winston coming along and looking better and better, I love those two wide receivers even more than I did. There's enough aerial pie as long as Winston keeps this up to feed two top 10 wide receivers in this offense. I'm a huge fan of it moving forward. I love what I'm seeing from Winston. I mean, as soon as you trust the guy, he's probably going to crap himself uh, and, and screw you over. But I was wrong going in this week. I thought Winston was going to shit his pants against the Rams. I thought Godwin was banged up. And I recommended some people bench him. I am hugely sorry about that if you benched him. I ultimately had no choice. I was going to bench him for Terry McLaurin. He was out. Thank God he was because Godwin blew up. So if I, I made that horrible call for you, my apologies. Give me some shame. I'll take it. I deserve it. But ultimately, you got to feel great about both Evans, both uh, Godwin, and also Winston at this point moving forward. I think in every week, as you asked Jeremiah Moore, especially in a two QB league, an every week starter for you. Uh, big fan of Jameis Winston, finally looking comfortable and acclimated in this offense. It's only going to get more dangerous. Let's get to some of your questions here, though. Trade Michael Thomas and receive Melvin Gordon and DJ Chark. So, Bryce, uh, that comes down to your team need. If you definitely, if you needed a workhorse, I would absolutely. Absolutely do that. Uh, DJ Chark, you know, whatever. He's kind of a throw-in at that point. But I have Melvin Gordon higher than Michael Thomas on my season-long big board. You know you're getting a top five, you know, workhorse and a great offense. I love uh, Melvin Gordon. He's going to do what Eckler's doing, but he's just a beast. So I, I really love Melvin Gordon. So yes, unless you were desperate at wide receiver, like I don't see why you would do that move or why you even be considering it though. And in general, a three-down horse is more valuable in my opinion. Michael Shear, boss Mike from... <laughs> good to see you, Mike. Welcome back from Cleveland. How do you think Boyd will do tonight? I'm hoping not so good up by eight, and that's all he has going for him. 
Eight points against that shitty-ass secondary is not a tall task for Boyd, who previously had struggled significantly with A.J. Green out of the lineup, but last week we saw him explode as the true number one. I don't know that Pittsburgh has a corner that can keep up with Boyd. I'd be very nervous, Michael, especially if it's PPR and he only needs a few receptions. If it's standard and he has to break 80 yards or get a score, maybe you have a shot, but I really think, ugh, not in a good position, Mike. I hope you take it down, and I appreciate you coming to pregame the game with me. Uh, but ultimately, I can't tell you. I have a great feeling about it for you. Sorry, my man. Diego, sharing it out for us as always. It already told us that. And anybody else, you know, I just want to take this moment to shout out Diego. You've helped our broadcast grow tremendously over these last couple of weeks. And anybody else out there that's willing to share it, it means it means huge uh, numbers for It's just great. It means the world to us. So if we've ever been any help to you, if you don't mind liking it, if you don't mind sharing it, it's awesome for us. So we greatly appreciate that. Uh, but Diego, I'm giving up on Watson. I'm starting Rivers now on what do you think? Well, that's a great transition to my next, uh, not wave of wire, sorry, the fallers leading off with the Sean Watson at the top. So why don't I hit that for you right off the bat and keep these questions coming in because I'll make sure to get to them. Uh, but ultimately, big faller, uh, Deshaun Watson in the Texans passing game as a whole was brutal this week. 21 of 33, ugh, 160 scoreless yards, uh, zero touchdowns, zero interceptions, nothing to love about that at all. And that's kind of the, the curse of Deshaun Watson this year is the inconsistencies. Yeah, you have those blow-up 30-point days against the Saints and he's going back and forth and it's a battle and it's awesome. And then he gives you these type of shit-his-pants awful fucking games it just it's infuriating and it's infuriating for him it's infuriating for DeAndre Hopkins the best wide receiver in the game catches five balls for 41 scoreless yards puke Will Fuller the wide receiver 65 on the year hasn't scored a single touchdown after averaging over a touchdown a game with this guy early in his career. I mean, what's happened to that beautiful deep ball, that beautiful connection? Who knows? Three catches, 23 yards. You obviously can't have him in your lineup at this point. Hopkins, uh, you know, decent bet to rebound. That all sucks. Now, granted, maybe it's the time to buy low, especially on a guy like Hopkins. You, you know, whenever it's the talent that you believe in, you got to go and buy low. And I believe in Hopkins. I think he's the best wide receiver in the game. I'm still all about this guy. So Hopkins, I would go out and buy low. But yeah, Watson, I could totally see you benching from here on out. Now, granted, this coming week, he gets Atlanta. And we've seen teams repeatedly bombing Atlanta time after time. So if there's a week, I kind of like Watson this week. You know that they can keep pace Atlanta with the with Watson and this high-powered attack, or at least the high-powered potential attack. So if Atlanta goes up big, you can see Watson kind of in comeback mode. I could see that really panning out nicely. So uh, Rivers is definitely safer. You know, kind of locked in for 270 two to three scores every week, but there are going to be some weeks I think you had to hold on to Watson. You can't cut him or anything like that where, where you play the matchup and you go for the upside, and this week against the Falcons is one of them, I think, Diego. I, I don't know who the Chargers have off the top of my head, so let me know, uh, but most weeks, yeah, I, I'm on board with you going Rivers. It's just so much safer in my opinion. But yeah, that inconsistency is just absolutely mind-boggling. That line is no better. I don't know why they... They're such idiots for blowing what they did to get Laramie Tunsil. It's a fucking nobody. Horrible, horrible trading. That's why you don't make these moves when you don't have a GM. My God. Michael Shear, I need help in TE injuries. Are hurting me. Had the Browns, TNA, uh, Najoku, but injured. Who should I pick up? We're going to get to waiver wire. So, Mike, if you can't hang tight, let me know, and I'll make sure to get there for you. But we have a whole section on waiver wire 
tight ends coming up in about five to 10 minutes. So if you can hang tight, I have that already planned out. I'll make sure to get there for you. If you need me to get there earlier, let me know. But I, I have that all mapped out for you. Derek Gansel asking, what is the trade value for De Shark right now as far as picks? I mean... I don't do a ton of uh, dynasty, Derek, so I have a hard time valuing. You know what would I put DJ Chark's value at right now? I'd be more inclined to give you a season long, you know, like player versus player. I don't love him though. I just it's a low powered. You know, Gardner Minshew does love him, but like it's a low powered attack. So I would probably be selling him high in most cases. I'm not a big believer in DJ Chark moving forward. I'm more asking drop power for Hooper. Yeah. I mean, Howard, I, I don't mind stashing just to see what happens with the guy. We're going to talk about him in a few, as you see on the menu. But if Hooper is out there, he is absolutely higher than Howard on my season-long big board. Uh, higher than pretty much any tight ends at this point. Uh, so I'm a big fan. Now let's continue to move here. Sony Michelle. I mean, what the fuck's there to say about this guy? Absolutely pathetic. One of the biggest fantasy disappointments of the year. Uh, it's not really even close. 17 carries, 63 pathetic yards. Uh, just not finding the end zone. And that's the reason you drafted him was he could be a touchdown machine in this high-powered Patriots attack. It's not happening right now. And if it happens, the yards aren't there to accompany it. We haven't had a single big outburst yet from Sony Michel. In fact, he's averaging under seven points a game. And he has fewer fantasy points than Jeff fucking Wilson of the 49ers. And that's in two fewer games. Jeff Wilson was not active week one, and they had a bye this week. He scored more points than Sony Michel in the season, just to put this all into perspective for you. And if he has any name value left in your league, I would be I would be selling him. Now, granted, you're probably selling him at literally his bottom barrel price. And is there a, a situation where he can rise from these ashes, kind of get it together? Well, starting this week against Washington, sure. I mean, that's one of the worst defenses in the league. The script will be there. But the script should have been there for the Jets. It should have been there for Miami. I don't know what's going on with that backfield. The only one you can truly trust is James White each and every week. I, I feel horrible about Sony Michel. He, again, less points than Jeff Wilson on the season. What the fuck? It's horrible. Uh, so yeah, I, I don't feel good. You cannot feel good. He fell like 30 spots on my season-long big board. You can't consider him much more than like a desperation flex at this point. We got a question there from Mike asking, should I trade OBJ and Fournette? Well, just as I said, I think you should definitely sell high on Fournette, and I, I still stand by that. I actually think you should buy low on OBJ. Coming off by far his worst game of the year and what I think will go down as his worst game of the year. Two, two catches on seven targets, 20 yards in that game over the Ravens, only three fantasy points. Probably ruined your week if you owned him. Horrible from your first rounder or early second rounder by all means. I still think he's going to get it together, though. This is one of the premier NFL talents. I think he is so dangerous after the catch. Monk is so good at scheming this air raid that is eventually I expect him to get more and more influence over this offense, over the, you know, gain the reins of this offense. And that's just going to be great news for Odell. I really think Baker is going to improve on the season. And I would be buying low on both Baker, on Odell, and just the, the Browns in general. You can't buy low on Chubb after this outburst. But I think this team is going to get it together. Uh, and I would really like to take a stab at both those guys while their value is at the pure bottom barrel. His owner is probably desperate at this point. I know in my league he is. Uh, so I wouldn't hate making a move for Odell. I still have him in my top 15 overall players my top you know seven wide receivers he is so explosive we saw it on that week where he outran the entire defense on that 89 yard uh, touchdown he's on pace still for 1232 yards and only four TDs but I think that number especially the TDs will have a nice uptick especially with Landry showing up and now getting more defensive attention 
I'm on the buy low train for Odell Beckham. I think he gets this thing together. One team that I don't know what to make of right now is the Panthers. You, you know, I think that pass game is saved by Kyle Allen. He goes, you know, 261, completes, you know, 70% of his balls, throws four touchdowns, and then comes completely back to earth, crashing down, crashing and burning for 232 meager, pathetic yards, zero TDs, uh, no, no interceptions, but still just a pathetic overall passing outlet. And this is against a game, a Houston Texans team with literally no secondary, one of the worst in the league. They were giving up you know, fourth or fifth most passing yards in the league coming into it. Kyle Allen, after looking like he was finally going to be the guy to turn this thing around, uh, Cam Newton, maybe still, probably still a better option than Cam fucking Newton because that guy can't even just get the ball anywhere near a receiver. But still, this was a huge step back. And obviously, all the fantasy ships around him sank alongside him. You know, Curtis Samuel, 32 scoreless yards on three catches. Blech. Greg Olson, five scoreless yards on two catches. Blech. DJ Moore, you know, 44 yards, but still no TDs. Blech. Just awful Kyle Allen performance. And as encouraged as we were last week, we have to make note that this guy came crashing back down to reality. Uh, now they get the Jaguars, so if Ramsey comes back, another tough matchup on the docket. So I do not feel great about those passing game options. I'd probably be benching all of them if I could. But knowing you, you know, Olsen is one of the few tight ends that you can you know, semi-trust week to week. Samuel should find your bench. Moore's been so active that maybe you keep him in there, but I, I was very discouraged after I thought Kyle Allen might be the real deal. Not the case at all. Another quarterback I thought was the real deal and kind of showed some some true colors this week. I, I don't know. I, I still believe in him, but an easy matchup, and he just did not rise to the occasion. That's Danny Dimes. Daniel Jones, 23 of 31 for just a bleh, 225 yards, a TD, and an interception to go with it. Just... Didn't look nearly as just clean and crisp, and the, the beautiful throws we were seeing against the Bucks simply weren't there. Despite this being one of the worst secondaries in the league, one of the worst defenses in the league, it just wasn't happening tonight for Daniel Jones. Now, granted, I still think he's worth a stash. I think you hold tight on him because the weapons around him are good. You got Golden Tate returning this week. Also, only 49% owned, so check your wave wire Golden Tate out there. But ultimately, I, I was discouraged. It seemed like a big step back and a, a you know, beautiful matchup. I was recommending a ton of people start him, and he did not rise to the occasion at all. We didn't see the legs used nearly as well uh, by him. He's 63 yards uh, from Wayne Gallman, so that, you know, that looked nice. Uh, maybe the Saquon hit won't be over the top, but Daniel Jones just... Ugh did not look nearly as encouraging as I was hoping for uh, in his second week of action and definitely becomes more of a bench quarterback than someone you can just roll out and trust each and every week. Uh, last but not least on our fallers, we got O.J. Howard yet again. Three freaking targets, 33 yards. Yay. On back-to-back -back weeks, Jameis Winston has gone for over 380 yards and Howard's got maybe a you know meager 20% of that, not even. The guy has been pathetic. He's on pace for 524 yards, 40 catches, and zero touchdowns. And that was, you know, the last two years as a rookie, as a sophomore, averaging over 16 yards per catch, the ultimate mismatch nightmare. He's going to be the number two option in this passing attack. It's been the 100% Chris Godwin, Mike Evans show, and nobody else has really mattered, including O.J. Howard, despite his talent. I mean, it looked like one of those things where it was going to be a correlation trap and Bruce Arians' historic lack of tight end success wasn't going to be the case here because he had such a better talent than he's ever had. 
but OJ Howard has just not shown up to play yet, and it's a concern, and Bruce Arians sounds disappointed every time he talks about him. I wouldn't be cutting him just because the talent still is there for him to finally get it together. But this offense has always been you know, fully directed to wide receivers. I thought it was because he had no other tight ends to throw to. But to me, it just seems like Howard is disappearing completely. Uh, and it makes me real nervous. On to your guys' questions at this point. Uh, Bryce, you're welcome. Scott Magnuson. I'm starting Gallman. I'm giving up on Michelle. What do you think? I'm fully with you. Especially if you own Saquon, you can put Saquon right back in there. Then Scott, I, I think it's a great move. But I love Gallman because... The Pat Shermer buffet. I mean, every running back under Pat Shermer has been a bell cow. We have an article on Shermer we did up last year where they've averaged you know, 20-something touches under him. You know, Dalvin Cook before he went down and Saquon last year. This is an offense that is thrives and built upon a three-down workhorse that gets fed carries, gets fed receptions. And we saw that with Gallman uh, this week. He, he's used very heavily in all facets of the game, scored as a runner, scored as a receiver. I love Gallman moving forward, especially in the right matchups. So, Scott, I think you can absolutely use Gallman over Michelle. I would be doing that every single week. And maybe the Redskins is a different uh, case, but even there, just the versatility of Gallman, the every-down usage of Gallman has him above uh, Sony Michelle right now for me. No doubt about it. Dak's a bum. Fuller's a bum. Uh, Blazer, I can't really disagree with you. I think Dak will get it back together. That was just you know, a one-week fluke. He's still the number three scoring quarterback in fantasy. So he's going to be out, out there. Uh, I'm, I'm a fan of him still. But Fuller, just a complete disappearing act. Awful, in my opinion. Uh, Michael Shear, just thought I'd throw it out there. Always great talking to you. Thanks. Of course, man. I, I love that you came here. Hopefully you can stick it out to get to that tight end segment. I'd love to get there for you. Uh, what happened to Calvin Ridley? He's not getting the targets that he did the first two weeks. Jeremiah, it's a great point. It's a great question. I mean, Sanu this week has 12 targets. The week before had six. Uh, he's gotten 75 yards and 90 yards these last two weeks. Is that a sign of things to come? I don't think so. I think ultimately Ridley gets it together. He's the more talented weapon, the more explosive guy. No doubt about that in my mind. Uh, but yeah, I mean, these disappearing acts, after it looked like he was the clear-cut, you know, Roddy White in this Dirk Cutter-style offense, he's disappeared completely. So if you got better options, you could definitely bench him. Uh, I'd like to know, you know, who you have each week. But yeah, that, that definitely makes me nervous for sure. Rivers at home against Denver. I think I'd probably still go Watson this week, uh, Diego. Yeah, just the upside against the Falcons' pathetic defense is is so much. Sony is helping the team big time, just no fantasy points as tunes. I mean, yeah, there's so many of those guys that you can look at and say real-life players are better, but has he even been that good for the Pats? Yeah, he gets some tough yards. He can help bleed the clock, convert the, the short yardage, but I think Burkhead can do all that stuff too. Like, nothing, nothing too crazy there. Yeah, not too much time. Killed me this week. Thanks, bro. Lots of help. So two back in, Michael. I'll make sure to get you those tight ends. I'm going to do that in the next segment here. Karam Hajar. Thoughts on Ridley, John Brown, Hollywood Brown, Mike Williams. A lot of guys you want me to cover there. I think Ridley, I, I am nervous about these disappearing acts. I think John Brown, I feel a little bit sturdier about his floor. The Patriots shut down everybody. I'm not overly concerned about that. Hollywood Brown is one of those guys, such a great talent, so explosive. And I, I love Lamar Jackson, has really turned it around as a passer. But it's going to be low volume, low percentage, kind of Deshaun Jackson. She's going to win you some weeks, disappear on you some weeks. And it seems like it's going to be a little more disappearing, especially when the Ravens uh, are up. Because even this week, they were down so much and still Hollywood Brown. 
was meh. And Mike Williams is just a great touchdown threat, but obviously has his own health concerns right now. Thoughts on Antonio Callaway coming off suspension today? Interesting name for the waiver wire. I, I hadn't even really considered him Jeremiah. Great talent. But is there enough balls to go around there? I mean, Jarvis Landry, OBJ, and Nick Chubb are commanding so much of that offense. I don't think there's just enough volume there for Callaway to carve out a, a consistent, meaningful role there. Let's get to more waiver wire. Speaking of, you know, the, you know uh, Antonio Callaway there, we got plenty of other names to consider. And the first place I would be looking is with Sam Darnold about to return. That's the Jets' pass game. Uh, J- Jeremiah Cryer, uh, Crowder cut in a bunch of leagues after sucking these last two weeks. People have seemed to forget just week one, this guy led the NFL in targets, 19 targets that week, uh, over 17 fantasy points, and he's only 45% owned right now. So people with those short-term memories or just needed to get rid of somebody to, to have a start or whatever it might be, Crowder is out there in well over half of leagues and needs to be closer to 70 to 80% owned because this guy is a beast. He was the apple of Sam Darnold's eye. He was that Jarvis Landry in this Jets-style attack for Adam Gase, just the low percentage, I mean, uh, high percentage, low you know distance type of role. But that's what Crowder does best is after the catch, get it in his hand, let him do some damage. And I think he gets right back on track as soon as Darnold's back. The latest is... He has not been participating. Uh, he's been participating in non-contact drills. Hasn't been throwing or doing you know full team drills. And Chris Morton saying he's not a lock to return in Week Five. But I think you're you know at worst uh, another week away. So Crowder worth a stash. I've seen Robbie Anderson dropped. He's only 63% owned. Check your waiver wires. Is Robbie Anderson out there? Because he's going to get back on track with Darnold, no doubt in my mind. Still one of the better separators, deep threats in the game. So I'm a big fan of Robbie Anderson moving forward. And then Chris Herndon. Got to toss him out there. Yeah, he's still suspended. Won't be eligible to you till uh, not this week, but the week after. But only 18% owned. And this guy was an every snap player in the preseason. A difference maker after the catch. A great run blocker as well. Adam Gase labeled him a unicorn because he's so diverse in what you can do with him. You can really disguise everything because you, you know, one second you're blasting it up the gut with Le'Veon Bell and he's blowing defenders off the line. The next he's, it's a play action. He looks like he's about to block. And Sam Darnold's hitting 40 yards down the seam because he's so athletic. So I love Herndon, especially at a position where there's very minimal that's reliable each and every week. I think Herndon could be a difference maker down the stretch at tight end and only 18% owned right now. He's one of the guys I would make sure to target off the waiver wire this week. Not a ton of great options. He's one of them. Another interesting option. We've got some questions here, so I'll make sure to get those for you guys. Another great option, though, on the waiver wire in over half of leagues. Ronald Jones somehow has pro football focus his highest grade on the season for running backs right now. He's looked good every time he touches the ball. <coughs> Excuse me, a little sick this week. Uh, get a cold from school. Whew. But he has 19 carries, goes for 70 yards on him, gets a nice score. He's looked powerful. He's been bowling over people. Uh, he has a nice 12-yard catch and run and had 20 carries or touches, I rather, as compared to nine touches only for Barber. This backfield is finally starting to shift to Ronald Jones, and it's very clear why. He is so much more talented than Barber. It's not even funny. He looks so much more mature and just hard-nosed than he did last year at any point, Ronald Jones does. And so I really think this backfield, Bruce Arians has typically preferred a workhorse, loves to run it when he gets in close to the red zone too. We saw scores for both Barber and Jones. This offense is going to continue to trend more and more to Jones, an explosive offense that's averaging, you know, 
over 380 pass yards over these last two weeks. Jones, is, they can't key in on him. They can't stuff the box on this guy with Winston finally showing up and looking like he's a quarterback that can actually throw the ball. I love Ronald Jones moving forward because Bruce Arian's system, again, loves throwing to the running back, loves putting it in close and pounding it in with the running back. You're looking at a starting potential three-down horse in an offense that's going to be among the top 10 or so in passing yards and scoring chances, and he's out there in over half a league's. Fix that up, fantasy owners. Make sure you check for Ronald Jones, probably the, the top guy on my waiver wire list outside of maybe, you know, Jamison Crowder or Robbie Anderson if they're still out there. And help, maybe I'd rather even have Ronald Jones, especially if I'm running back needy. But outside of that, you know, of course, at the, the wide receiver position, that seems to be where there's tons of waiver wire value throughout the year. And we're seeing a lot of other names now emerge. A.J. Brown getting over 90 yards and two scores on only three targets. It just looks like a beast. After the catch, we've seen this multiple times now where he breaks tackles, uh, you know, jukes out defenders, and just can rip it up through the open field as well as any. That was kind of his calling card in college over there at Ole Miss. He's dominating right now. Uh, his big body, too. Your beautiful throw over the, the bread basket in the red zone. You know, Mariona seems to love this guy. And don't forget that this was the guy that this offense, Arthur Smith, this new coach, uh, calling the plays, sought out. He made sure to go and get uh, A.J. Brown. And Corey Davis, yeah, he has. A, he's coming off a good week, you know, score, 94 yards. But he's not the guy. He's disappeared every other week. I have no faith in Corey Davis. You guys know I fucking hate Corey Davis. I think he's the biggest loser in the NFL. Uh, A.J. Brown could be the real deal. He's only 10% owned right now. Definitely got to look at if you're desperate at wide receiver. Take a stab, see what he does, see how that rapport continues to develop with Mariota, who had three touchdowns this week. Uh, Cole Beasley has 13 targets. Cole Beasley, that makes 23 targets over his last two weeks. I think he ranks like fifth in the NFL in targets over that span. Now, granted, he hasn't done a whole ton with those looks. 75 scoreless yards this week, only 48 yards the week before. But that type of volume obviously matters in any league, but especially PPR formats. He's been that safety blanket. And if Allen's going to miss some time, Barkley looked actually more accurate. And he was looking Beasley's way uh, early and often. So Cole Beasley, a name you got to look at on the waiver wire if you're desperate at wide receiver. We already mentioned Mahomes Sanu. Uh, taking a ton of looks from Calvin Ridley these days. T- team high 12 targets this last week. Racks up 90 yards on nine catches on those looks. This is that week after going six catches for 75 yards. So over double digits and back-to-back weeks for Mohamed Sanu. I think that comes back down to earth because I do think Ridley and Julio Jones, I mean, there's no way that they're only going to put up a combined 83 yards and Julio 52 and Calvin Ridley 32. But still, it reminds you that Mohamed Sanu still has some talent. He's still very dependable. And Matt Ryan likes to look to this guy when things break down as a big-bodied slot weapon. He's got a great matchup against a horrible Houston secondary. Don't worry about what Kyle Allen, how he sucked. Complete bag of dicks this last week. I think Mohamed Sanu and this offense could be in for line for, for another big week. Speaking of the Texans, one last, or I got two more wide receivers for you to look at. The first one, Kiki Cutie, a great potential streamer because Kenny Stills goes down. Uh, and Whenever he's been the third receiver, whenever he's been a clear-cut starter, Kiki Cutie, he's been fantastic. I mean, look at last year, set the NFL record for catches in a rookie, uh, first game as a rookie with 11, had multiple 11-plus catch games. Watson loves this guy, and he raved about how far he had come along 
this preseason. So I really like Kiki Cutie as a streamer against this horrendous Falcon secondary. I just let Mariota throw three touchdowns on him. I really think Watson and that team can do a ton of damage, no doubt about it. And last but not least, I want to shout out the Dolphins wide receivers. Parker going 70 in a TD, but also even more so the guy I'd rather own, Preston Williams, up to 19 targets across Josh Rosen's only two starts. Rosen loved this guy all preseason, and we're seeing that, you know, this is his first read on nearly every throw yet again. Uh, he only has four catches for 46 yards this last week, but I still think the volume, I chase that. And coming off the bye, they're going to be facing the Redskins, so both Parker and Preston Williams could be streaming options last week. Now, we talked about uh, Chris Herndon and how at 18% owned, he's a guy that I'm making sure to get on pretty much every waiver wire this week. But how do I get there? How do I make sure I have a tight end for week 15? So this one goes out to you, uh, Michael Shear. You know, how can I get through week five while I wait for Herndon for my rest of season tight end value? Plenty of great options. One would be Dawson Knox. That's the first guy I look at. Only 14% owned for the Bills here. Uh, he's going to get the Titans this last week, which they've either given up a touchdown or over 100 yards to every single tight end they've faced so far this year, over the fifth most points uh, to tight ends this season. And Dawson, Dawson Knox has been a huge play threat. He's averaging a ridiculous 28.6 yards per reception. Uh, he's streaking down the seams. He's moving out of the backfield. This is a guy that got tons of preseason love because Croft was banged up. And they were saying, Dawson Knox, he's going to start because he's making so many plays. Him and Allen have this immediate rapport. And in this type of juicy, juicy matchup, I can see Knox definitely finding the end zone and hitting 70-plus yards. So great streamer, especially to get you from that week five to week six where, where Herndon comes back. Another option, our namesake, RSJ, Ricky Seals-Jones, held in three targets for 82 yards and a score. Right, raise your hand if you had no idea he was on the Browns. That would be me. No clue that he joined this team, but he's perfect for the offense that's predicated on getting his receivers in space, streaking down the seams, you know, attacking t teams very vertically with their tight end. Seals Jones is a converted wide receiver, has tons of speed for the position, a limitless athletic stealing by all means. So I really like Ricky Seals Jones, uh, at least while Njoku's out there in the right matchups. I think you can get yourself a, a decent game. So, I mean, he's only 1% owned. He's going to be out there if you're desperate at the position. The last guy I want to shout out, and we'll see how he does tonight because maybe his price goes up and skyrockets. That's Tyler Eifert. He gets, and the reason, you know, he hasn't had a great season or anything, but one, he stayed alive. So that's a huge step for Eifert after he gets knocked out almost every single week that he plays. The fact that he's still there is huge news for Tyler Eifert. But number two, he gets Arizona next week. And there's, you know, certain matchups this year, running backs against Green Bay or wide receivers against Philly or tight ends against Arizona. I mean, every single week they've given up a touchdown. It's It's been you know, clockwork. Every single week they've given up a touchdown. Almost every single week they've given up at least 100 yards to the tight end. They've surrendered over 15 points every single week to tight ends. So Tyler Eifert, the next one in line to absolutely bash this pathetic Arizona defense. Their linebackers have no idea what it means to cover. So I really like Eifert uh, as a potential streamer next week. Let's see what he does tonight, too, on Monday Night Football. But ultimately, uh, if you need a one-week kind of band-aid at tight end to get to Herndon, I love Tyler Eifert this last week. Two more, and then I'm going to get to all your questions, and we'll cover some injuries that you guys need to know as well. Ito uh, Smith returns, gets the goal line carries. Uh, definitely took a clear-cut second back seat to Devonta Freeman this week, but gets the goal line carries, has two of them for 11 yards, two receptions for 20 yards. 
just looks so much better than Freeman every single week. I would not be shocked if this timeshare, they've been right around 60 to 40% snap share. I wouldn't be surprised if that starts to continue tilting towards Ido Smith uh, and start to favor this guy who's looked better than Devonta Freeman the entire year. Uh, and this is an offense that clearly has some firepower that could be among the league's most explosive. There's still some growing pains going on in Dirk Cutter's offense, but ultimately there could be a late season surge here. Devonta Freeman obviously has his own injury concerns. They beefed up that offensive line in the offseason. They're finally starting to gel a little bit and looking stronger as a unit. Edo Smith should be owned in a lot higher uh, percentage of leagues, strictly on the handcuff value, never mind the fact that he might come with his own benefits if he's carved up that, that meaningful goal line role there. And last but not least, not much to say about this guy other than he's healthy. Jay Ajayi, uh, you know, cleared according to Ian Rappaport, medically cleared, has informed all 32 teams that he's ready to roll, uh, and his market quote-unquote, could heat up quickly. I've always loved the talent. I mean, one of four running backs to go back-to-back with 200-yard days. And the the list includes like O.J. Simpson and Eric Dickerson. I mean, elite talents. So Ajayi does have some natural ability that's just sitting out there waiting to be scooped. Great at the goal line, a great short yardage guy. So if a team like the, you know, I know Gallman showed up and looked great, but let's say the Giants come calling or the Bucks. as much as I've raved about Ronald Jones, there's still some backfields out there that could really use a running back of Ajayi's caliber. So at 4% owned, if you just want someone to stash as a Hail Mary, I really like Jay Ajayi. Landry's on. What is going on with your waiver wires, Jeremiah Moore? I think Landry could definitely be picked up fresh off, you know, 150 yards. I think that's going to be probably his highest uh, output of the season. But still, Jarvis Landry is one of the better talents out of the slot. And if that offense continues to pick up the pace like they look like they will this week, yeah, yeah, I think you could definitely drop him. Drop Kyle Allen for Darnold. The only other QBs on waivers are Flacco and Newton. That is just hideous. This is a two QB league, though, so I, I get it. I would probably rather have Darnold than those guys, yeah, but just keep in mind, you might not have him this week. He's still risky to play. So if you need him as a starter, then I think you got to keep rolling out Kyle Allen. Don't have plans. Don't have to play tight end. Would you drop Drizzly for Robbie Anderson? Who's Drizzly? Drizzly? Oh, Disley. Sorry. Uh, Will Disley for Robbie Anderson? Yeah, I think I probably would there, Anthony. Uh, I mean, I just, I think Robbie Anderson could really blow up down the stretch. Whereas Disley, like if you don't have to start a tight end, you probably aren't going to be. I definitely think John Brown's the preferred option over Beasley, even in PPR settings. I like that Beasley's emerging as an option to take away some defensive attention. But ultimately, yeah, I think it's the John Brown show. He's got plenty of slots in the snap, uh, snaps in the slot and just moved around really well. Has a great deep ball connection with Allen. Uh, but speaking of Allen, we do have to cover the fact that do, 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 he's been hurt. Now, he's not at the top of this list. You see him down there, at like third on the menu. So we'll get to him. The first and foremost we have to check in about is Devonta Adams. And, of course, get any more questions, comments in. It looks like that's the last one. Uh, fella asking, I'll, I'll get to that before I get to the injuries, asking Jay Howard, just a flash in the pan or worth a pickup? I mean, this is the goal line back in an offense that's going to be living in the red zone. I don't think it's just a flash in the pan. Yes, I think Sanders is better. I think Sanders will eventually become the more used back. But this is going to be a committee all year, and he's going to own the stripe, Jordan Howard, as the bigger back, showing some decent receiving prowess too this week. 
I, I would own him. I, I mean, I don't know who you have to cut, but I think Howard definitely needs to be owned. I don't think it's just. A, I don't think he's going to top thirty fantasy points again. But I think two touchdowns are definitely a possibility in the right matchups when they're facing, you know, the pathetic Redskins or, or whatever it might be. So yeah, I think you can pick up Howard. Now let's cover these injuries real quick, and then any other questions you have, let me know. Devontae Adams, turf toe. It's not believed to be serious, according to Rappaport. I had an MRI, and it came out just like nothing overly concerning. But turf toe does tend to linger, especially for wide receivers where it's all about footwork and and you know planting and going. And your big toe is a huge part of that. Uh, so this could really hurt. This could really linger for Devontae Adams. You wonder if they're going to shut him down just for a couple weeks and try to get him fully back. You'd hope so. It's just such unfortunate timing, too. The guy was feasting 180 yards, a career high, before the turf toe. That was tough. And then they go to Dallas. They're going to have a tough matchup there. I'd love to see him just rest and you know, not worry about that, not worry fantasy owners because he flares up and then he has to go sit out. Like that, It could be one of those annoying little naggers that flare up in mid-game and you, you lose him. I hope he just rests, gets it fully back to health, but the report is that it shouldn't be more than a couple weeks. So hang tight on him. Uh, maybe buy low if you're in a great position because he's definitely looked like he's ready to roll as that true clear-cut number one wide receiver in this offense. After him, another Packer to make sure we cover is Jamal Williams. Gets you know murdered on that first play of the game. Looked awful. Happy to hear that this guy has been released from the hospital, that he's okay. Uh, he says only his pride is hurt and that he's Gucci. So you like to see that. You're happy for the guy that he's not seriously injured. But you can't imagine he's playing this week after such a brutal hit. Probably still in concussion protocol. He's got a head neck neck injury. And so for however long he's out... I mean, Aaron Jones was almost a 100% snap player. And where that really came to manifest, I mean, he got more carries, didn't do much with him. But we saw him increase his usage dramatically as a wide receiver. And a lot of those snaps are what Williams has been taking, uh, especially in two-minute drill. Jones showed well in pass protection. He showed great as a wide receiver. And this is going to give him a chance to maybe lock down a stranglehold on that lead running back role. Now, what matters if Matt LaFleur is not going to run it from the one-yard line on a single fucking play? Where they had first and first and goal, what an idiot! But nonetheless, I, I think you got a couple big games coming from Aaron Jones as the unquestioned featured lead back here. Hopefully, they can use them a little bit more on the outside, on the outside zone stretch runs that we've seen Gurley thrive with in that McVay Lafleur system. I want to see him get rolling, but either way, you know he's going to get more chances moving forward as long as Jamal Williams is out. We'll see how long that absence is for. No, no, nothing definitive, but I imagine it's going to be at least a week, if not longer. After him, Josh Allen forced from the game with a concussion. Is considered week to week. I doubt he misses a ton of time, uh, but ultimately you gotta monitor this if you're a Josh Allen owner. And you, you know, a lot of people chuckle at that Josh Allen owner. <laughs> Who's starting him? The guy with his legs has been a fantasy beast. Obviously, this week against the the Pats, only had eight points and didn't look anything special. But still, in the right matchups, this guy is a fantasy force. So anytime miss does hurt and you got to have a backup plan at quarterback, maybe it's Mariota after his three touchdowns. Uh, maybe you know Daniel Dimes gets dropped this week and you can roll with him. I've seen Kyler Murray dropped in some leagues. But Allen, you know, you got to monitor his health from here on out. He's got a tough test against the Titans this week if he ends up making it back. 
Uh, but ultimately, just with the leg points he can get, it, the tight end that you can exploit with Dar- Dawson Knox now, I like Josh Allen, uh, and I wouldn't be cutting him despite the injury at this point, unless you know you have a great number one, you just don't need him anymore. But ultimately, I like Josh Allen season long, even if he's going to miss a week or two. After that, another concussion injury. That's TJ Hawkinson. Uh, fresh off, it looks like he's going to be on pace for his second best day. He's only really smashed the Cardinals, has a bunch of duds in a row, and then you know early in the game, 27 yards, a TD, looked like he was ready to explode, but gets knocked out to a concussion, uh, and and just you know who knows what it's going to be at this point. Had to get carted off because of it. It seemed pretty serious, so I'm I'm thinking it's going to be at least a week, if not two. And in the absence, you know what is it, Jesse James, you know Logan Thomas, nothing of note. You're not going to start any of those guys. But if you had Hawkinson, you need to have the backup plan. Remember some of those guys we talked about: Eifert at Arizona this week, Herndon coming back for Week Six, a great stash. Uh, Ricky Seals Jones out there in every single league could be your guy. And of course Dawson Knox, one of my favorites, big play threat waiting to happen in an awesome matchup this week. So those are just some tight end. If you need a backup plan to uh, T.J. Hawkinson a few guys you could look at. There's a couple other notes to cover here. Mitch Trubisky, ideally you weren't starting this guy because uh, he sucks. He's a horrible quarterback, maybe the worst quarterback in the league. The fact that the Bears traded up for this guy over Mahomes, over Deshaun Watson, makes me crack up every single night. It's pathetic, but he's gone. He, he hurt his shoulder, and it's not expected to be overly serious, but they're saying you know it's not going to require surgery, but should miss a couple weeks. And that might be better for the Bears. I mean, that offense moved a little more efficiently with Chase Daniels at the helm. Definitely not a great quarterback by any means. He's been a career backup for a reason. But Trubisky is a career backup level talent too. So you know, maybe this offense gets a little more steam. Allen Robinson seemed a little bit better. Tariq Cohen caught his first touchdown of the year with Chase Daniels. So I think this offense might actually be better off without Trubisky, at least the way he started this season. I looked absolutely pathetic. Got two more injury notes. One of them here is AJ Green. Uh, Comes out today that he's not expected to play until at least after week six. Uh, That means he's going to miss a beautiful matchup against Arizona this coming week. And then he's going to miss Baltimore, who's been sneakily bleeding points to wide receivers this year. Uh, After that first week, they've been just getting bombshowed by everyone. So I think one of the more overrated defenses in the league. Uh, But. That means, you know, more Tyler Boyd, more John Ross. Auden Tate looked great these last couple weeks, so he could be a potential option for you. But it's one of those things where, you know, the team and Green himself seem like they are not willing to risk further injury, especially when he's, you know, in a contract year. He's not going to come out and play until he either gets paid or he's 100%. So as an owner, I guess you have the comfort in the fact that you're going to get 100% of A.J. Green when he does return, but there is that discomfort of when is that going to be? Why didn't this team put him on the IR? Why the fuck did I draft him in round six and stash him? Because I thought it was going to be you know week four, week five at most. It seems like you're looking at week seven, probably through their bye week, which I believe is nine, until uh, you see A.J. Green this year, which sucks. And not on the menu, but someone we've got to make sure we cover is Tyron Smith for the Cowboys. Already been ruled out for this week against the Packers. Uh, he's their left tackle, an absolute stud, an absolute mauler for this team. And, you know, normally we don't really cover offensive line injuries, but he is one of the exceptions to the rule as the best, probably the best left tackle in the game. Uh, when he was out of the lineup last year, they only scored 7, 9, 12, and 6 points in those four games. So, 
you got to be a little bit worried. The, the run lanes for Ezekiel Elliott won't be great. Uh, you know, protection for Dak Prescott won't be any good either. So it will be, it's not, I shouldn't say won't be any good. I mean, this is one of the best offensive lines in the league, but still certainly worse off. Remember that game where they didn't have Tyron Smith? They gave up like seven sacks to Adrian Claiborne. It was pathetic. Uh, so Zeke Elliott, you got to be a little bit nervous about. Dak Prescott, a little bit more nervous about without Tyron Smith. Uh, that whole offense could take a hit. Couple more questions here. I'll answer as many as you guys have come in, and then we're gonna sign off and get ready for Monday Night Football. Uh, we got one from Anthony. Uh, we got Jeremiah Moore. Thanks for all the interaction tonight, Jeremiah. I appreciate it. Max injury, a thing to worry about. I think you always gotta worry about Marlon Max. He seems to miss a little bit of time every year with an injury. Uh, there's no real word yet what the timetable is, what it could be, uh, how serious it's gonna be. But yeah, I, I, I'd be a little bit nervous. Jay Howard or Peyton Barber, both are available PPR. I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go J Jordan Howard there, Anthony. I just think Barber is trending the exact wrong way, and Ronald Jones is taking that backfield over. Uh, and Howard just offers much more. If, you know, both those guys, their only value is you know short plunges on the one yard line. I think Howard sees a lot more of those than Peyton Barber does. And got AJ in round eleven. I'm holding strong. So if you drafted late, you were able to get this guy late where he you know belonged. I took him way too early because I drafted in week one of the offseason when you know he hadn't even gotten hurt yet. So it hurts for me. But yeah, round eleven I guess is the right value and a great guy to stash because yeah he could be a beast when he comes around and finally plays. Alrighty, folks, that is it for our week four Monday market check. Uh, your fantasy football risers, followers, your waiver wire, stock check, and injuries, all that good stuff. Uh, we got more meaningful takeaways. These were our favorite ones, the ones that you needed to know. But we have plenty more coming up at rotostreetjournal.com slash stockwatch on our Roto Street Journal app. If you just search RSJ or Roto Street Journal in your app store, you can find that app. Uh, that's all the news and notes that we did not cover here, including the stuff we covered here as well. So check that stuff out. Fantastic for, for everybody. I, it's so well developed by Derek Miller. And podcasts, you guys do the same. If you, you haven't bookmarked those already, check them out. I, of course, am the Wolf of Roto Street at Roto Street Wolf on Twitter. You can find this live broadcast on Facebook. Uh, every Monday right around 7 p.m. I'll be live tomorrow as well. Uh, Tuesday night at 5 p.m. for our live ranking show right around 5.30 or so. I uh, Go live and give you our week five rankings and answer all your early sit start questions. And we'll be back on Thursday and Sunday to tailgate and get you ready for your fantasy football matchups as long as I don't die here. I'm pretty sick right now. Alrighty, guys. Thanks so much for tuning in. Your support always means the world. Do I hold on to Tony Pollard? I have six bench spots and three are hurt. I would be able to, you could cut him for sure. Yeah. Uh, you don't need to hold on to him at this point anymore, unless you really want that Zeke insurance. Alrighty, guys. Take it easy. Have a great night. Best of luck tonight if you need, you know, eight points, whatever you need. Hope you get it, and we'll check on tomorrow for our ranking show. The Wolf is out. We used to have it all, but now's our curtain call. So hold for the applause. Oh, 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 oh. Wave out to the crowd and take our final bow. Oh, it's our time to go, but at least we stole the show. 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 At least we stole the show.
old-fashioned football right there, folks.